0: All right, so we're in, we're starting today in, in uh, Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up again at verse 11 and following. Hopefully, we'll get all the way through 19. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we're glad that uh, you guys are here today. And as I said, we started off with this idea of being circumcised in the flesh, which is a, a sign of the covenant that God gave to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 17. Um, there is also... Uh, an idea of spiritual circumcision that comes out of also out of the Old Testament in in Deuteronomy. And uh, if I, let's see, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and live. Now, this idea of spiritual circumcision, although it comes from the Old Testament, is really developed by Paul in, uh, in Romans uh, 2, and I believe in Romans 7 as well. In Romans 2, verses, uh, verse 29 specifically, it says, No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and the circumcision is the circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God." So we see that this idea of circumcision is important uh, to God, but not just the idea of the physical aspect, but the, the additionally uh, in to that, the idea of spiritual aspect. Now, if you were a good Jew, you would make sure that your child was circumcised by the eighth day. On the eighth day, if George was here today, he would uh, comment that that is the time when the blood starts to coag- coagulate in a newborn. If you were a proselyte, one of the very first things you had to do, if you were truly going to become a part of the Jewish faith was you had to get circumcised, uh, which would be, I'm sure, a very painful thought as if we were in, um, if we were a, human, a man, a, an adult man, um, it's the first requirement of the law was circumcision. It was uh, the, the Jews taught that no one could keep the requirements of the law without being circumcised. And so there is uh, Paul here in, in verse 11 seems to indicate three aspects, the idea of spiritual circumcision, the idea of putting off the sinful nature and the idea of the circumcision of Christ, which is kind of corresponds with spiritual circumcision. Now, the NIV says not made by, uh, by the, not done by the, the hands of men. Um, the, the actual way that it's kind of interesting, the, the actual way that it's, it's in the Greek is that it's, it's unhandmade. Circumcision, physical circumcision is handmade, according to the Greek, and in the spiritual aspect of, of circumcision, it is unhandmade. So uh, just a a small little, I I find it fascinating sometimes how the Greek gives you a real different twist on things. It's not the way we would say it, but it's the way that it it is originally, it should be better translation, which is a little uncomfortable for us. And that's one of the problems with word for word translations is that sometimes it's uncomfortable because the words don't translate easily into our language, do they?
1: Hey, Val, could you clarify that one point you made that you said that, uh, The Jews believed if you were not (coughs) circumcised, you were incapable of living according to the law? Yes, that's correct. So that was some sort of an enabler to their will?
0: Well, yeah, that's that's an interesting idea. I'm not sure that's really what, I mean, perhaps, perhaps they just taught. That that no one could keep all the requirements of the law because the very first thing you had to do as as a as a newborn or as a a, a someone who coming into the Jewish religion was that you had to be circumcised. No circumcision, you're not a Jew.
1: So, so it's more than just a symbol or a mark. It's uh, deeper than that, apparently.
0: Well, for them, <laughs> it, it, it
2: it took on a much <clears throat> deeper perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Acts too, we found that, that the Judaizers were trying to do the same thing with the new believers, sure, forcing them. Yeah, which know. is again part of the pr- problem we're running into here in Colossians. Is the Judaizers? But, yeah, there... but there is another another real problem, I think. Uh, it just came to mind. I don't know. Maybe it's to create uh, a little bit of a mess because of the liberation theology and whatever else is going on in the world, equality, equality, equality. Why the woman doesn't need the circumcision? <laughs> well, no, no, just yeah, j- just to rearrange
0: That's that an area, I'm, I'm not gonna go down that. that I, under, I, I understand. Uh, I, I will tell you, I, I've often wondered, but I, I guess the issue is that um, is that God wanted man to have this this uh, this sign Jewish men to have this sure. sign. by the way what? I I don't know if this is No a, a, <laughs> no we don't we don't this have is a cutting a, a cutting side of this whole thing I understand the, the Jews are Rumba. not the only uh, the Jews yeah. were not the only people that practiced sure. circumcision in the Middle East I
2: agree, East. Mm. Uh, I agree.
0: The uh, Egyptians practiced a form of circumcision. It just wasn't the same as what the Jews did. The Jews sure. removed a portion of the foreskin. The the uh, the Egyptians cut it and right. put a slit in it. Uh, right. But if you were going to be a Jew, you had to have a portion of the foreskin removed. Remember, uh, that was one of the payments that um, David had to give to mm-hmm. prove that he had killed a bunch of Philistines. Remember this? In order to get... Right yeah uh, the wife of uh, Saul, or I mean Saul's daughter as a wife. and he goes,, oh, I forget how many. I think it's hundred, but I'm not sure I, if that's the exact term, the exact number, but anyhow he, he, he kills them and, and circumcises them after death, which I'm not sure would, if you could be dead and, and become a Jew or not, but anyhow, that was the, the issue that, that David was dealing with. So this idea of, of circumcision though, is much deeper than that. Uh, now, circumcision, had and Gary, to address your point, circumcision had two uh, streams of thought that developed out of the idea of circumcision. One stream took it very literal, literally and very legalistically. You, in order to follow the law, you had to be circumcised in order to, and it had to be done physically. And, and that was, it, it, you couldn't be a good Jew if you hadn't checked off that box. There are others who would uh, that would say they took the idea of the concept from Deuteronomy, and Paul would be in this group that understood the spiritual nature of the law, not just the physical nature of the law, and they assumed that spiritual reality, which was a circ- was what circumcision symbolized. Now. Um, we're uh, Let me just—I'm going to be jumping around a bit on this whole issue of circumcision and and coming uh, spiritual circumcision and what it means. So, but let me kind of pass through a couple of things here. One is this idea of putting off of the the, the sinful nature in verse eleven, and it, it, it follows again in uh, verse uh, uh, thirteen. Uh, th- this. Means one thing in in the in, in ancient times, another thing often today, on the idea of nature. Um, you see, the idea of nature is uh, is. Uh, and I gotta find my notes here. And I can't find. Oh, here we go. Nature it means that a characteristic way of acting. Uh, <laughs> And if that's how you're translating nature, then it's, that's the correct way that it is, tra- is meant in the Greek here in this word. It's the a, a, a characteristic way of acting. It's the way that we <coughs> act out our lives. The problem comes into is that today, we talk about an old nature and a new nature, and I'm as guilty as the next guy doing this, because it's an easy way of describing what goes on in our life. Here's the problem with that. If you're a believer, if you've become uh, if you've accepted Christ as your savior, you are a new crea- creation. You're a new creature. The old nature has died. The old nature has died. There should be no old nature. So there's only one nature that you have. Here's the problem. Here's the problem that as we die and are born into a new nature. We still have to deal with the issue of learning to uh, to process what it means to be a new a new creature, and that's difficult. And some of us do it at a faster rate than others. It's it, for those of us who have had children, or for those of us who are are looking at grandchildren and we're watching them grow you remember how it is that when they first were born, they couldn't do anything on their own. And as they grow, they learn to be able to do more things, right? And they're capable of doing more things. Why? Because they're growing. So as you grow, you're able to grow into your nature, the nature that God has given you. Spiritually, our problem is, we need to figure out how to grow into what God wants us to be. In fact, one writer puts it this way. After conversion, the body, the physical body, our, the way that we act, the way that we walk, the way we, we live our lives, the body pro- progressively adapts to new purposes and new functions. And that's what God calls us to do, to adapt to new purposes, and new functions. The primary focus of of Christian commitment is that the body is the primary focus. Romans 12 says what? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm quoting out of the King James, the way I learned it back when I was in in junior high. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The issue, the primary focus of Christian commitment is the body of this flesh and the idea is that we need to principle ourselves into learning how to live our lives in the way that God wants us to live now there's lots of good stories and i love i love to use you know the old nature the new nature and the one that wins is the one that i feed and all that. that those are all great stories but we've actually our old nature has actually died our problem is we just haven't that we still have um we still have body um, memory of how to do things and the way we do things and we choose to not grow up and when we choose not to grow up we choose not to follow what Christ has called us to do which is to put off uh, the old ways and learn to live in a new way that brings honor and glory to him so is it as clear as mud now that I've dealt with that I bet Uh,
3: there's there's a, there's a barrel of fish there's a barrel of fish
0: yes it is (laughs) yes it is i mean you
3: can't if you if you choose not to do something you're actually choosing something if you fail to follow through
0: yeah well it's because we're not choosing to learn you know it it would be think of it this way it's like when you have a child that refuses to learn to eat with their their fork they're just going to eat with their hands you know, yeah, it might be you know, great and well, all fun and all that, but eventually, you know, you're hoping they'll learn to eat with a fork.
3: Yeah. Well, how do we how do we deal with the the frustration of giving up on having the kid eat with a fork?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you need to ask uh, ask our heavenly father about that because I imagine <laughs> he has some frustration with with a few of us. Just I heard,
3: well,
1: I just hope he ignores it all the time. <laughs> well Well, you say that our old nature has has died and yet i think in romans paul talks about still struggling with his sinful nature like he knows what to do and he can't do it and uh, it's like the sinful nature is not gone he's still struggling with it
0: well, the, we should let's let's take a look. Do you remember what the passage is in Romans?
1: In Romans seven,
4: I think he's referring to. But yeah, sometimes I'm... you're talking about the uh, prior to born again experience.
0: We, uh, I think he might be. Let's see here. Fifteen. Uh, yeah, verse fourteen started from there. It says, "We know that the law is spiritual, and I am unspiritual, soul. Sold as a slave to sin, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I for what I want to do, I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it, it, basically he's saying, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do who, who do it, but it is the sin living in me. And that is not a sin nature. then It goes on to say sin nature, sinful nature. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. And and really, uh, that term there in the NIV, I don't know what you have in here. Uh, Gary, you have in the well, new NLT album.
1: verse 18 says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I, I want same, to do what is right, but the I NIV,
0: can't. Same thing the NIV has. It actually, it could also be translated in my flesh. And that, that sometimes is one of the problems we run into in translations is that uh, uh, we're not consistent in how it plays out. And some of it just simply could be that you've got a group of scholars and everyone says, well, this is the accepted way. But it would seem to indicate that we're a new creation. We're a new creation. We should not have an old, cre- an old nature in us. We died to self. The problem is, the, I think that self keeps trying to live to, to resurrect itself.
4: And and the NIV and the what we were look just looking at in uh, Colossians, yeah, uh, it actually has a note that uh, of the sinful nature, and it says in the flesh.
0: Yeah, yeah. And part of that is the the fact that we still have the flesh. It, our flesh has not been. Glorified yet, I, I speak for myself. When I get, you know, as as good looking as I am, I'm going to be even better looking when I get to heaven. So, In fact, i gonna be so good looking, some of you won't be able to even stand the sight of me. Of course, some of you can't stand the sight of me now, so I guess it doesn't really matter, right? So, I I don't so have to tell you though. <laughs> James, you so, going to say something?
5: so basically then you know the flesh is with us whether we want it to be or not it's in most instances it's hopefully deep in the background but every now and then it manages to uh find a way to creep back in so yep usually when i get behind a
0: wheel <coughs> yes <or> a car, <laughs> or my, my old nature seems to crop up very easily
5: so we have to spend time really uh talking with god about that sinful nature that sits in that sits there in the background yeah. and as much as as much as we try to uh we can probably fool each other from time to time but we can't fool god with that with that behavior amen
0: boy that's true yep that's true which by the way it me might be Val, so-
4: yesterday i was coming back from the golf course and uh, there's a little two lane road a car was going about Thirty-five miles an hour on these curves, and then it opened up again. And I goosed it. Next thing you know, I'm at eighty-six fast in this guy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now Was that was that the old nature? Or was it I don't the, know. It's the old or car nineteen ninety yeah. It was that you were just trying to blow out some of the carbon out of that Porsche. Yeah. You know, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Paul is is relating. He does this in verse twelve, and and I will. Before I go on, any other comments you want to make or questions you want to bring up about this?
3: I was looking at a cross reference for uh, Jeremiah four four, which I thought was weird or interesting. I don't know
0: okay, what about.
3: It's circumcised. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Remove the foreskins of your heart.
0: Yep. Yep. That, that was that, that whole aspect of spiritual circumcision of the heart.
3: Yeah, yeah. It Which
0: just is kinda of kind of, weird, isn't it? It it is kinda weird. <laughs> speaking kind of metaphorically, symbolically, yeah, that's not really you know
3: Yeah. Partially. I had really consider Yeah, I hadn't really considered there's parts of your heart you shouldn't have, you know, when we talk about things.
0: Yeah, but man. I guess
3: I guess there is. I mean
0: Again he's talking about, you know, what is where is your for where your heart is, there will your treasure be? Matthew. Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. So in uh, verse 11,
1: where Paul is saying here, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Relating that to what we just read in Romans, where he talks about the sinful nature being there, but as almost like a separate entity. Yeah. He says, you know, if I do wrong, it's not really me doing it. It's my sinful nature. Like it's something separate. Christ has separated that from your core being, I guess.
4: Well, the yeah, good that I you... do is Christ within me. Anything else that I do that's not good is my nature, my sinful nature. It's only because of Christ the things that I do good. And when you think of today, there's a lot of people doing good things, but not doing it in the name of Christ, they're doing it in the name of their pride. You know, money I give, the things that I do, the functions I'm at. It's really not about Christ within me and the things that I do good.
0: A lot of times it has to do with our our desire to look good, if not for ourselves and for others. Yeah. You know, I I do this. I'm sorry, James, go ahead.
5: I was just going to say, if you remember the Godfather movies, uh, Michael Corleone at the end was trying to, write himself with God and uh, made a big deal about all this money he gave to the church. Yeah, Even uh, in the movies had to, had them before the Pope. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times that's, I think that, you know, is what people are trying to do. They're in, in some ways trying to buy their way into heaven in uh, yeah. making these grand gestures and what have you. And, uh, probably from time to time we all have a part of us that that kinda does that, you know. But yep. you know, you try not to you try not to brag about the things that you do, but sometimes just because of that sinful nature, it comes out.
3: Well yeah. I I think you also need to encourage so a little bit of like acknowledgement helps others.
0: I think the problem is that and I I find this true for myself you you ever have this this situation where you you've done something and no one knows about it you really want them to know because you want mm-hmm. you want them to be impressed with you because you figure out ways uh, of, of you know humbly bragging
3: I got one for you I uh, uh I don't know a couple of days ago when I was working somebody gave me a tip and I'm like oh that's cool so we have a fundraiser jar, like for, for garden harvest or something in that store. So I went in and nobody was in the store, which is good. And I went in and put the a tip into the the jar and the cashier was hanging out below and popped up real quick and asked me what I was doing. Oh, and, I, and I go, well, I'm just putting stuff in the, uh, just putting a, my tip in the uh, jar. So I feel like, and she goes, well, why are you doing that? And I said, well, you know, that's the right thing to do. And it made her pause and think. And I thought, well, that was probably God. I didn't do it to, to brag or show anybody anything. And I kind of made sure nobody was looking. But here comes God, making sure I got to showed somebody why I did it. You know, modeled behavior.
5: Yeah, and that, and I thought that was
3: kind of interesting.
0: Just, yeah, and that particular, it's more it's more along the line. You you didn't do it to to be showy. Uh,
3: no, but he used it. Yeah. Yeah, but he used it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I think there's possibles.
5: Mm-hmm. But when you reached in and took it back out, you shouldn't have done that.
3: <laughs> well, her comment was, why, it was like a, I know, well, it was like a $5 tip. And she, her comment was, why would you put that much in there? And, and I said, well, yeah, like I said, it was the right thing to do. She goes, well, that's way better than me. I would have only given her, I would have gotten change out of the register and just give her a few coins. <laughs> and she, I said, yeah, well, you know, people need it too. And she just kind of paused about it it made her think, so I thought it was pretty good it,
0: it does remind <laughs> it does remind me of the story my my father-in-law uh was an usher for years at at his church and uh he tell told used to tell the story of the time that he uh, was passing an offering plate and uh, one of the guys made change <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's happened at Kensington
0: of- <laughs> has it really oh
3: yeah. Uh, yeah. People well, asking for change. Yeah. That wouldn't be the only place. <laughs> Maybe like
0: digging in the bag and pulling out a wad of money and going, Yeah, okay, I'm gonna put this <laughs> Oh well. Well, in, in chapter two, verse twelve, right. we have Paul here relating the concept of circumcision to baptism. Mm-hmm. I want to spend a little bit of time developing this. First of all, I would just say this: when it comes to baptism, there are three points of identification, The spiritual, our spiritual union with Christ. It has to do with Christ's death, Christ's burial, and Christ's resurrection, as how it identifies um, with circumcision. And and remember, it's uh, Paul relates the concept of circumcision, not circumcision itself, but the concept to baptism, the idea of spiritual circumcision, if you will. So the death of, there's, first of all, there's death by identification. This both satisfies uh, the demands of the law and the penalty brought by the sin that's been committed. And we, we have death by identification. Burial incorporates this idea of death because as far as I know, most, in most cases, only the dead are buried. Now back in the day, you know, before they did embalming and all that kind of stuff, they would occasionally put a, uh, um, they'd put a a string in a coffin. They'd bury the coffin and the string would run into like uh, wherever the mortuary was or wherever. And so that if somebody woke up after having been buried, they could pull the string. It would ring a bell to let people know there was somebody still alive. Um, You know, that's, that's pretty unusual i would think in general but the idea is most of the time we only we only bury somebody if they're dead or if you really don't like somebody you know you might uh, bury them alive i don't know um so uh jesus died He, he was buried he rose again and he was seen by many this idea of of uh christian baptism as a burial is a really great picture especially when you think of of the soteriological context that we're looking in here, it's spiritual rather than physical. The distinction that um, Paul wants to make is the idea that we are buried in Christ and we are raised with Him. Now, um, circumcision is is uh, is explained by both burial and also by resurrection. And resurrection kind of explains the idea of the working of God and how he works out in us. There are uh, there are multiple ways of being baptized. We've talked about this and perhaps some of you were baptized in a variety of different ways. Some of you might have been baptized several times, um, depending upon... The orig- where you when you were originally baptized and when you became a follower of Christ, or even if you went to another church, sometimes they would require that you be rebaptized, whatever mode that church practiced. But I think that for me, it has always been the best description of our identification with Christ is in the the mode that we would call immersion. I'm buried with Christ into the water. I'm raised with Christ into newness of life by coming up out of the water. I think it's a great picture. Now, if you were baptized another way, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not here to argue your, your, your baptism, uh, your mode of baptism. Uh, just simply say, I think it's a great way of identifying what it means. And I think it fits the term in the Greek a whole lot better. In the term baptism, which is baptizo, which means to immerse or to plunge. Um, so, uh, but we we have here is we have this idea of circumcision and baptism both being illustrations of what? Identification with
1: Christ.
0: Christ. Uh, identification oh, yeah. with God. Circumcision. Born again. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of salvation it, it is it, Jews were saved by being, by following the law and by having faith in God that the lawyer that they followed the law would, would honor God. Now, when they didn't have faith in what they were doing, I'm not sure they were saved because, again, faith, the only way that you come to God is by faith. Always, always by faith. Abraham didn't come to God because he was circumcised. He wasn't considered uh, a believer he was considered a believer because he put his faith in what god said big difference and because of his faith the outworking of that was what happened same way with our baptism our baptism doesn't save us although there are some there are some groups that that do practice that or at least teach that uh in our christian circles but uh, and it was not popular until about the 4th century the 4th century it became very popular um, that salvation happened at the moment of, of uh, baptism. But um, early on, that was not the case. And um, and if you believe that, that's fine. Um, when we get to heaven, we'll find out who was right and who was wrong, right?
4: So I can be good if I keep dunking myself in the water. I like that. So.
0: Yeah, I just keep getting, well, you know,
4: <laughs> a list of theology some
0: of us need, well, th- yeah, yeah, I can remember, I can remember a, a gentleman who, uh, that I knew, uh, he was my dad's age, he would, uh, he would get baptized again and again and again. And and there is a sense to which baptism is a great sign of saying, you know what, I want to recommit myself to God. And I want people to know that. I think that's fun. And I think there's, a, a, there's an aspect to it. I mean, when we went, when we went to, uh, uh, to the, the Holy Land, um, we, a lot of people go to the, the, the Jordan and they get baptized. Because they want to be baptized where Jesus was. Does that mean that if they, their first baptism didn't count? No. It just means that we want to follow the Lord. And this is kind of a symbolic way of doing that. An indication that we're still all in with God. Some people do it as a result of coming back to God after having been a long way from Him. They want to recommit. And them, <coughs> one of the ways of recommitting is publicly uh, being baptized. And that's fine. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no scripture that says you can't, there's no scripture that says you should, but you can.
1: But the bottom line is it's the act is, it's an act between you and God about your relationship, much like communion. It's not a show. For other people to see, as I see it, anyway, it's uh, it's a relationship thing between you and the Lord.
0: Well, it really, it really is also a way of identifying publicly with with God. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you if you in, so, in some uh, parts of the world in so, certain religious settings, if you are baptized, become a Christian, you are uh, immediately uh, put out of the family you're considered dead to them. In some cases, you might even be uh, in danger of dying because people will want to kill you because you made a commitment to Christ. Muslim countries, you're not supposed to to leave the, the Muslim faith. There are people who have accepted Christ, but have yet to come forward for public baptism because of the fear of what would happen. It happens in some Jewish households. You have a uh, a family member that becomes a believer, a, a follower of Yeshua, uh, the Messiah, and you're baptized, uh, they'll hold awake for you. They
5: think you're well, dead. It's a public. It's a public declaration. Yeah. And in yeah. in the, in many of those cultures, family, family and family uh, history is more important than than almost anything that you can do. And if you go against that. That causes uh, you to be ostracized by the community, by the family. Yep, and um, you know, and this is why, to me, many times, even after translation, it's difficult to understand some of the passages in in the in the in the in the Bible because they weren't necessarily written for us at this time. I mean, the translations can be kind of can be kind of screwy and we don't quite get the meeting meaning for a lot of different reasons but and it and it takes some work to really get at it but
0: yeah yeah which apparently is what we're trying to do here i'm not sure how (laughs) successful we are at times this this is the the goal uh,
2: the intention shall we say yeah according to paul it's a necessity to be done to show that you are alive in Christ. Yep. the public confession—that's what it does. Once you were dead, now you identify with Christ because <laughs> He does the dispensation of the art and also signifies that you are a new creature. You know, you you can go to church. How many knows know that you're a Christian? You know, if you haven't declared it. In a way, what I'm saying, yeah, I think, saying, I, yeah. Yeah, right.
0: I, I, think I, I told you, uh, folks, that I, I got in trouble at one of my churches I was preaching. I was talking about the fact that uh, the, the true commitment that we make to Christ is not walking an aisle, it's baptism. And I right. had a lady come up to me and was just all upset that I had ruined her salvation experience. I told her it wasn't necessary for her to walk an aisle. <laughs> If she wanted to identify as a Christian, she needed to be baptized. And that just blew her out of her mind. She just couldn't understand that. Well, 1800s is the first time we ever had anybody walk an aisle. It was under a a, a revivalist by the name of Charles Finney. Uh, I think it was the second, I think it was during the second Great Awakening here in America. Anyhow, he talked about, he had people come forward. To accept Christ and it caught on. You know, it, it's one of those things that it helps people sometimes to make that decision to walk an aisle. But that that walking an aisle doesn't save you. And walking an aisle does not mean you've committed yourself to Christ. Baptism is what scripture says is is the way that we do that. All right. So circumcision is at least physical circumcision is no longer required or desired. The Old Testament physical circumcision represented the first requirement of the law, but God has always desired that we'd have spiritual circumcision. So Christians are spiritually circumcised when they are united with Christ in faith at the time of their salvation. They also have a spiritual baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, there are going to be those that are going to disagree with this theology. That's fine. But I believe there's two different things that happen. One is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Baptism, as I understand it from my theology, is that it's a one time event. It happens at the point of salvation. Filling of the spirit is something that happens over and over again. Because I I will tell you this, I'm a leaky vessel. I leak. You know, the Holy Spirit fills me up, and and I don't mean to leak, but I leak, and I don't have, he doesn't have full control. So I have to continually be filled with the Spirit on a regular basis in order for me to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God. All right. Uh, oh, I did want to point out one thing that Was kind of interesting. Again, this, this, not a big deal for us in, the, in our century, but really important for their century. Look at verses uh, 13 and 14 here. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took away. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. The idea first here is the idea of the written code. Um, I think in the King James it says handwritten. Um, in the in the New American Standard it says the certificates of debt. Um, it, it's it's as though uh, there's an IOU before God. Uh, and in Jewish tradition, it also portrays that sins are debts before God, and they need to be released or uh, destroyed or canceled. And this idea of canceled written code goes back to the again first century time frame. Papyrus and uh, uh, animal skins—you know—if you were to write on them, was was expensive. So guess what they would do if you had. A, a debt and and it was and it was erased they would literally take and scrape off the the ink off of the paper or off of the parchment hmm. so that they could you, your 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 debt was wiped out it was canceled it was destroyed because the paper would be used again think of our lives as being having the debt of sin on us and God has scraped it off and written a new, a, a new ownership on it. We're now his. Isn't that amazing? It's a, I think it's a beautiful picture. All right. I will uh, flee from there.
3: <laughs> Not fast enough.
0: Okay, well, can I can't say I'm trying to get there. Alright, so written code, we've talked about that. The I this idea of uh, being nailed to the cross um is important it has to do with um it refers to remember when jesus was crucified what did they do above his head on on the pole that he was crucified on
1: king of the jews
0: yeah they put a they put up a writing and and when they when they took him to the the place of the cross in fact some some cases um the, uh, um, the indictment, the the you know the, the, the guilty plea or, or guilty uh, verdict was uh, was written up and was nailed on the onto the cross so that you could see what he was guilty of. He was guilty of being the king of the Jews. Remember the the priest go, "No, no, don't say that. Say that he said he was the king." And, and Pilate says, "No, no, no. What I've written, I've written. I'm not going to do that again." You know? So this idea of a criminal, uh, a criminal's debt to society was canceled when he paid for his crime. Old Testament and, New, and early New Testament. <clears throat> this idea here captures the spirit of the context and the fact that Christ is nailed it to the cross. Whose cross? Whose cross?
1: His cross.
0: His cross. Aren't you glad it was his cross and not our cross?
1: Well, he paid the price for us, right?
0: Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Praise the Lord, huh? Yeah. All right. In verse 15, it says that having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them and triumphing over them by the cross. Here's the part that's kind of interesting. First of all, powers and authorities. It would appear that it would appear that both, there are good authorities and bad authorities, good powers and bad powers. In this particular <coughs> instance, it would appear that he's referring to the evil powers and authorities, which would be uh, ranks, various rankings, if you will, of of, demon- of demons. Just like in angels, there are diff- different rankings of angels. And that would appear to be what's happening here. He says he's charmed them, uh, and that he did it by stripping themselves rather than divesting himself. This is kind of interesting because in a, in a military setting, the disarming is important, but in a political setting, it means disgracing, uh, being disgraced. The NIV prefers the military tr- uh, translation of in being disarmed, but perhaps the political aspect fits as well because God disgraced the powers of and authorities that thought that they could beat God at His game. They thought they could do it. They thought they had won. And when Christ rises from the dead, He strips them of their of all of what they thought was going to be good. They thought they won. And here's the interesting look. Look at the paradox. The paradox is that Christ is stripped and placed on a cross. He's hung and disgraced publicly in the place of sinners. The evil forces of the time assumed that they had triumphed. Can you imagine the party they must have thrown for three days? And the reality was, this was not an act of disgrace. This was an act of sacrifice and an act of triumph. And God, when he raises Christ from the dead, he pretty much destroys the powers of and authorities that were against him.
1: Well, <clears throat> yeah, not not to nitpick, but uh, it seems these two verses talked about the the victory over these spiritual authorities comes not specifically from the resurrection, but from just the sacrifice on the cross, because that's that's all he mentions here.
0: You're you're That and you're
1: sacrifice right. to wipe out our sin. Yes, that's the disarming act.
0: You're absolutely correct. But here's the thing. I don't think the the powers knew that that was the case until the resurrection. They didn't see the significance of it. We know the significance is that he paid the price. But the price was paid, but it became evident to everyone, both spiritual beings and physical beings, that Christ
2: rose from the dead.
1: It seems that... Our sin and our guilt over it is the tool of the evil forces, and he's taken that away from them. Mm -hmm. That's really all they have over us.
0: Yep. That and and a reminder that just how bad we are, right?
5: Right. There's no way that
0: God could look at what you've done. There's no way God could love you.
5: Well, you know, you got to think too, how much of this came to Paul after Christ's death? Because this, many of these uh, books that he wrote were sometime after the death of Christ. So oh, yeah. th- throughout th- that time, God was enlightening <laughs> Because he may have not uh, recognized that, uh, many of the things that he writes about now at the, at the time that uh, the death of Christ took place. Yes.
0: I, well, I, obviously, he he was not a believer of Christ until after after the res well well after the resurrection on the on the way exactly. to the road to Damascus. So, he's relearning everything, and I would imagine that that his uh, that he continued to learn. I I can't imagine that he stopped learning after the three years that he spent. You know, redeveloping his theology. I, I would imagine that that was an ongoing an ongoing thing just like it is in our lives right i mean i i think i know more about who god is and about the scriptures today than i did when i was first saved well i'm i'm almost positive if if for no other reason i was four years old when i accepted christ (laughs) saviors i'm pretty sure i didn't have a clue about some of this stuff back then and i'm not sure i fully understand it now either uh, I come to you sometimes, fear and trembling that some of you are going to ask questions that i won't have an answer for
1: keep <laughs> <can> trying
0: <laughs> yeah well I know some of you are very trying uh, <laughs> uh. Now, were you were you, uh, were you baptized at four yes, i was you were <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was an argument that I had with the the pastor and my parents. Um, they want that I had accepted Christ on Easter Sunday, in 1960, and that we as uh, Sunday morning and uh, Sunday evening we were having a baptismal service. And I, I after I accepted Christ, I said, "Well, I'm I'm getting baptized tonight." And they go, well, "Wait a second. They start. They were trying to talk me out of it because they wanted to make sure I was truly, I, I truly understood what I had done. You know, as a, as a child. And so, uh, I'm not sure I was precocious, or there might be another term for what I was. Um, <laughs> oh, that's I a good one. A yeah. question that they couldn't answer. The question is, why are you trying to stop me from doing that Jesus commanded me to do? Ooh. And Ooh, they kind of looked at the, the three of them looked at each other, and they go. Uh, okay, we're baptizing him. <laughs> yeah, never,
3: yeah, never mind.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I, I was very, I was very young. Yes. I have a question. Yeah.
3: As usual, do you think there's a <laughs> parallel between stripping Christ naked and Adam and Eve putting on clothes <laughs> in the That's in an the garden?
0: That's an interesting idea. I'd you know, very well might be. You
3: know, I mean, you strip him of everything of the earth. You know that it's sinful, and put him back to Adam before
5: yes. or Eve before. Yeah.
0: That's a that's an interesting uh, interesting thought, and I, that's probably not a bad thought.
3: <laughs> probably,
0: I think I I don't see anything that says it's that you're wrong. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, so. Yeah, I'd say you probably came, came up with a good thought.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> one of many. Oh, one of many. Oh, yeah. One of many. Oh. All right.
3: All right. It's, a, it's a deep hole, Al. We'll, we'll get out of there.
0: Okay. <laughs> hey, I know the way out.
3: <laughs> Wait, it's got fireflies and puppy dogs.
0: I have, I have a shovel. I know how to get out of the hole. <laughs>
3: Uh, the shovel, hmm. China.
0: Yeah. yeah, I know. I know That's where, <laughs> that was my point. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to stop there. We won't. We will discuss asceticism next week, and hopefully the rest of the chapter next week as well. <laughs> this has been good discussion. I hope it's. I hope it's been helpful for you. And I, I hope it's been a a, a blessing. So sometimes. Okay.
1: All right. See you guys next time. All right. Take care.
0: Take care, Gary.